Welcome to The Recurring Plot, presented by Curb and Turf. On this show, we interview agritourism farmers, authors, leaders, and influencers who share their insights on growing and monetizing your agritourism business. Here's your host, Dustin Reed. Hi, this is Dustin from Curb and Turf, and you're listening to The Recurring Plot a show that talks about all things RVs and how to make more recurring income from your property. Today, we're excited to have Emmy Armstrong on our show today. Emmy and her husband run the Horse Creek Farms in Chucky, Tennessee, but I'll let Emmy give a little more introduction of what she does on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So, Thanks, thanks horse- for being on here. <laughs> thank you. Horse Creek Farms is a dairy, like you had mentioned, in Chucky, Tennessee. And we are diversified into agritourism. So we're milking registered Jersey and Guernsey cows. And we are in the process of getting a creamery built to sell ice cream. And then we are also going to be branching out and processing our own milk eventually and making all things dairy. And so we love to do school field trips. We love to host RVers and give tours on the weekend. And then we have some festivals that are seasonal throughout the year that we do. Well, cool. That's awesome. And then you're also very connected in your community as well, right? Oh, yeah. Very involved at a county level all the way up to the state level. And then also with the 2023 Tennessee Miss Elite, Elite Miss Agritourism title, I will compete for that in November. What's all involved with that? What kind of responsibilities or what kind of things do you have to do to compete for that? Or there's some kind of requirements, I'm assuming, or what? Yeah, so it's like a typical pageant, and I'm kind of nervous about the pageant part. The advocating for agritourism part, I can do hands down. So starting at our county, I do our county's June Dairy Days with the help of our agribusiness committee and local sponsors of ours here in Greene County. And then also I'm part of our Young Farmers and ranchers for Green County. I hold the title of reporter and for our district, I'm the vice chair. And then I am part of the Agritourism Association, the Tennessee Agritourism Association and NAFTMA. And also I do a lot of work with the Dairy Alliance. They are a promotion for milk as dairy farmers. They go out and they take our milk check dollars and put them to work promoting and getting and making sure that people know the truth against the alternative agenda and the, <laughs> the juices, if you will. <laughs> well, that's funny you mentioned because my my grandparents, they're part of the Dairymen Association and they had long roots with, with them. They actually worked with Dairy Gold for a while. They had a special cow that did a lot of photo ops for Dairy Gold and a bunch of advertisements because I think they had some... some several around the country kind of thing. And so in Idaho, anytime they had any advertisement with a jersey, it was most likely came from my my grandparents' dairy, which is kind of cool. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. 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 So those things ring fond memories. Those are things that kind of obviously touch my heart because I have a strong connection with not only farming, but especially dairy farming. So, And then it sounds like you guys have a lot going on on your property because it sounds like you guys evolved quite a bit. And just even yeah. the last couple of years, kind of, kind of explain that a little bit. 
Okay, so we did previously talk. And so I mentioned in 2018, my husband and I got married and we found out we were pregnant with our first child together. And so that year we were just basically rolling hay, mainly for the dairy. We rolled a little bit to sell from some lease land that we had leased to roll hay from. And then in 2019, we grew pumpkins and watermelons for the first time. And I believe that I told you we were selling them off of a wagon. And so every weekend we would load like a trailer load of pumpkins and it was awful. Like I will never do that again. They'll rot in the field before I'll yeah. ever load a trailer up <laughs> and take them anywhere unless they are sold. Yep. It's you a lot know? Of work. Yeah. Um, it is a lot of work. They were heavy. We had like those Atlantic giants. Those are like 25 and 30 up to 50, hundred pound pumpkins. That's, that's why you have to have a you pick operation where people come and pick them. Yes. So you don't take now, them <laughs> exactly. So that gets me to the following year. We did do you pick, like they come out and, get the pumpkins we were getting some from the field so in 2020 we had our first antique tractor show and we had our first corn maze and we've kind of just been perfecting that as we go along and then so 2021 we also offered another tractor show and then we did the pumpkins and watermelon and we did the synthetic ice skating that i was telling you about Sounds like you had a lot of cool experiences with produce and different products. Is there a favorite of yours or things that you've done in the past that's been your favorite? Obviously not picking, um, sending your, pro not the first year, I'm assuming. <laughs> you learned no. a lot from the first year. <laughs> so, so like I mentioned about the ice skating rink for 2021, we also, so 2022, last year, we really scaled back on everything. We did not do all all of everything, but we really put everything that we were doing back into the dairy. And so this year we have right now a pick your own strawberries. Okay. And I'm not sure like how it's going to go having the public come out and doing that. A lot of farms do it and they have great success with it. I really hope that we have the same experience, but so far that's been pretty cool for me because like the watermelon and the sweet corn and the strawberries has been my, I just to be to eat to have in your backyard just to go oh, and pour sure. like in your field having that available like all summer like those are state those aren't the, that's like the american staple like when you think yeah. of like a cookout like memorial day labor day fourth of july watermelon sweet corn and strawberries like yep. yeah those bring fond memories because i remember like because that's what we raised was sweet corn and or corn and and so we had a lot of that <laughs> so yeah oh we, yeah yeah you're from Indiana? No, I'm from Idaho. I, so Idaho, that's right. Okay. Yeah. So Idaho is usually known for potatoes, but in my area in Western Idaho, they used to do a lot. They, they do a lot of corn, but they also do a lot of onions. We never had to do that. So we just did corn is all we did. I remember irrigating quite a bit. We take tubes and that remember how to like irrigate with one. I was so excited because I was able to, she had to kind of like siphon it. And I was like able to siphon it pretty fast. I was so proud of myself. Yeah. I'd race my I'd race my stepdad all the time doing that sort of thing or whatever. I'd be on the tractor all day. Like I looked very tan. I was very tan, very dark. A lot of people confuse me for 
another race. So, they, right. they, so I was very dark. And so, yeah, so I'm, those are fun. Like I love uh, that sort of thing, especially agriculture and I love farm animals. That's one of the reasons why I do the podcast because I kind of have I kind of have a history with that. So it's easier for me to, to commute, to talk with yeah, other, to relate and communicate. Yeah, exactly. yeah, definitely. So, and then it's funny cause we, well, we haven't curb and turf, our company, we participated in NAFTMA, uh, which they had a conference in, in Austin. Was it January Texas. or Feb- yeah, yeah. February? The first week yep. of February. And so that's kind of how we connect. And can you tell the viewers or the listeners more about NAFTMA and how you got involved or kind of your experience with them? Yeah, sure. So in 2020, when they had NAFTMA on the interwebs, the the internet, and it was not an in-person session, Tennessee Center for Profitable Ag gave grants to attend. And so I signed up to attend and it was really cool. And I thought, gosh, I'd really like to go to this. So the first one I ever attended was in Georgia. And we got another grant being dairy producers and value-added dairy producers at that to attend in Georgia. So that's kind of like how I really got hooked. I went without my husband. It was just me and my three-month, four-month-old baby. Maybe he was four or five months old, Wade, oh, wow. the, the baby. Right. Yeah. And so him and I went to Georgia and we spent a couple of days. And then my husband, he came and pick us, picked us up. And I was like, there's no way. The information overload, the, the friends, the information. When he got there, there was just so much to say and so much to tell because there was a lot of valuable information to collect and bring back home. So this past year, I was like, you have to go with us. Like, and so we ended up taking the whole family. And that was a really great way for my husband to explore the trade show and see what they had to offer. So yeah, you all were there and you all were a huge hit for us because you had the puppies. Yes. <laughs> so, and they were being adopted yeah. that day. Yep. And so, so we stopped by and we met with Brittany and we, you were there and we got some t-shirts and some literature and we were like, okay, what? we'd like to do this. And since it's from the last time we talked, I'm assuming we signed up with the Curb and Turf and Harvest Host because as far as the Miss Elite, Elite Miss Agritourism goes, it is a beauty pageant, but really and truthfully to me, the title is the Ms. Agritourism, and that's promoting what Tennessee has to offer people who are traveling. And so when I presented this, the Agritourism Association actually was like, you should do that. And I was like, okay, well, I'll think about it. And then the more I thought about it, like with Harvest Host and Curb and Turf coming in hot and boondockers looking for places to stay and support, why not educate people around the country and even out of the country what all Tennessee agriculture agriculture has and through agritourism we can bring people to our state and which is one of the best states to farm in and we can bring people to to our farms that normally wouldn't come and they're not spending a whole lot of money because they're RVing and they can stay for free and then they can pay, you know, with Harvest Host and then with Curb and Turf, they can pay a small amount and stay on your farm Mm -hmm. and get to experience what you do every day. And then like you were saying, you grew up on a farm, but you're no longer farming. And so the agritourism and that it bridges the gap from the three or four generations that are removed from the farm. It's always, even through my TikTok, my social media, there are always people who, when 
they see the videos of me and my kids in the milk barn, it really brings back fond memories, like you mentioned, of them growing up in the dairy, in on the farm, riding the tractors with their mom, their dad, their grandparents, whomever. And, and I really think that's what it's all about is sharing the land that the Lord give us to steward with others. And so I think that that is like educating folks where they, where their milk comes from specifically the dairy industry, because that's what we're in and, and where their food comes from, letting them know we're farmers. We, we raise babies. This is the youngest of three here. And we care about our consumer. We care about our kids. We care about our farm. We care about the land. We care about our cows. And so bridging that gap and bringing people to the farm. And ultimately it's, it is a place for them to stay and, and, and bringing revenue onto the farm. And it's just very, it's a well-rounded solution for everyone. Keep, keep the agritourism farms going, bringing awareness to what they have going on and giving people a safe place to stay because I'm sure some of these people, and I've spoke to them, sleep in like the side of the interstate or in Cracker Barrel parking lots. And it's just so much more hospitable to come to a farm. Yep. So <laughs> I know those crowds. I know both crowds because obviously with our company, with being Curve and Turf, which we're grateful for a host like you, where they're willing to share their experiences and share what their, their lifestyle is like, just because most travelers, most RVers are, that's what they're looking for are experiences and looking for memorable things to do. And and that's one of the cool things is that I get to do with my, my job is I get to interview people like you get to understand their stories and sharing that. Another thing that I found interesting about your stories that you like sharing your experience on TikTok. And then you're saying like how other people were relating to that because it's kind of bringing them back to their childhood or whatever. Can you explain a little bit about your childhood just because you, you didn't grow up this way necessarily, right? Yeah, I didn't grow up on a farm. So in 2017, I took the credits that I had in college and I went back to community college as a single mom. And I finished a degree out in agriculture. I got an associate's degree in agriculture, magna cum laude. (laughs) And so I was really proud of that as a single mom. And then I was working on a farm in Severable. And that's where I learned about beef cattle and drive. I learned to drive tractor, dump trucks semis to haul corn and I was never road ready mm-hmm. <laughs> but I drove around the farm like I owned them yeah. <laughs> so so it's a lot different from the way that I grew up um, however there's no looking back now I can't imagine raising my children any other way than here on the farm the life experiences the lessons that they get and the work ethic that they're getting and it's there's always something to do there's never there's never a a reason or a need to say i'm bored if you say i'm bored in this house like i'll find you yeah exactly (laughs) that's what i was gonna say you'll find something to do yep yep that's how i don't have to look very hard what exactly piqued your interest in this different lifestyle yeah really i i truly believe that the lord puts desires in in our hearts and it's just one of those things where it was just a desire in my heart to live this rural life when I was like 18 or 19, I knew I wanted to live on the outskirts of town. I didn't want to necessarily live in town 
were in subdiv a subdivision or stuff like that. And so over the years, as that grew, 12 years later, almost from then, now it's like 17 years later. Oh my gosh, I'm aging myself. I need to stop. <laughs> You're fine. You don't. But anyways, <laughs> so it's just one of those things that continue to grow. And the more that I put myself in situations, I started like, you, know, you start finding you start dating, I guess. And so you start attracting to those that are more into the outdoors and the farm life and stuff like that. And so you kind of just gravitate toward it, to it. And then next thing you're like two more kids in and a dairy farm. So <laughs> no turning back now. Right. right. No, that's, it's kind of funny because there's still like, there's a lot of things I still carry with me because I, I would, I try to hide some of my, like, I was kind of the opposite. Like a lot of people didn't really knew my lifestyle or how, when I wasn't in school, if that makes sense. Like, right. No, I totally get it because it, over the years and technology has really helped, but the advancement of farming and the television and the internet, and now that everybody is up to speed, like I get what you're saying. Used to, it was like the rural communities were a little bit behind in technology and in their lifestyle, a slower way of life, probably more apt to wear hand-me-down clothes and drive older trucks because I don't know, like I'm in a rental car right now and my Suburban is in the shop because I backed into the manure spreader, but I like my, I just... I really need a pickup truck to be driving. Like you don't need brand new cars on the farm. Right. I had the option to get a brand new Suburban and I was like, there's no way. I just need an older Suburban that I can just have enough room that's reliable and try to keep it clean. So like with that, the, the, the rural community, they were behind, but they were so much more advanced as far as those families stayed together. They prayed mm -hmm. together. They ate together mm -hmm. and they worked together while everyone else is advancing and going their own separate ways. So really, and truthfully, you grew up a pretty. It's a different pace of life for sure. Just because um, mm -hmm. you knew, like I, we knew our neighbors from like a mile down the road from a half mile down. Like you just knew your neighbors too. Like I, yeah. like now that I live, not, it's like not like a booming city or anything, but the city I live in now is a lot bigger than what I grew up in. But I don't even know my neighbors' names, or I don't necessarily know them. I don't know, but like when I growing up on the farm or growing up on the dairy, like we, you intermingled with everyone just because if someone had a problem, then you're helping them out, or vice versa, mm -hmm. just because like they end up being like family at times. And then it, it's it's like a another community outside of the city like it's just it's just a really different experience and that's one of the cool things that what you're doing is providing that experience to others that are staying on your property or even come to your property if it's for any of the businesses that you're running through your through your farm and stuff like that which is kind of which is great which is awesome because you're basically giving back to the community as, as well so what kind of what's been your motivation in sharing with people your where their food comes from and edu that educational portion or, and how do you educate your guests? I want people to know, like there is an alternative agenda, the almond juice, the oat juice, the 
coconut juice, whatever, that are trying to push how healthy they are and how much better they are. But when you look at a gallon of milk and you look at the ingredients, you're going to see milk and you may see vitamin D and that's helped added to help boost the health of your teeth, the bones and your immune system. And if you look at chocolate milk, then obviously you're going to have chocolate added to that. But you look on the label of a plant-based milk alternative juice, and you're going to see a ton of ingredients. Like this was created in the lab. Milk is the most healthy natural form and the superior of all beverages that you can get. And it's like they just want to make so make it so much bigger and complicated than it really is. And so by bringing people out, they can see well, our cows are well cared for. They walk up to us. They want to be pet. They want to be loved on. They build relationships with us as farmers and they build relationships together in the herd. And there's just so much more to learn about that. So offering tours on the weekends on our farm and offering field trips, scheduled field trips, groups, homeschools, and the such really helps get people out here and hopefully builds those core memories for students and adults. And that's why we do our June Dairy Day program here in the county that I had mentioned before. And that's getting people out, giving them free dairy products, letting them know, hey, look, these are this is your farming community. We're all here in one place. We want to offer this to you. Get to know us and know where your food comes from. And I, I hope I'm not rambling, but another thing that come to mind immediately is the what I've been seeing on social media. You've got one picture of beef here and you've got another picture of beef here. This says it came from the grocery store. This says it came from a farm. The one on the left is been exposed to oxygen. The color's a little different. The one on the right has probably been flash froze or just recently processed, and it's going to be a brighter, more vibrant color. Single moms, elderly people, people, low-income families, they need to know that it does not matter if you get your milk or your groceries, your beef, pork, whatever, from the grocery store or from the farm. You can sleep at night knowing that you're providing healthy, nutritious food for your family. And so when we say farm fresh is better, it does not mean that you're sacrificing the health of your loved ones over because you may not be able to afford the from the farm. So with that, it's like it has its other benefits. Buying from the farm stimulates the local economy, stimulates the economy in your community. Those are going to be the people that understand the benefits of supporting local. They're going to be ordering farm shirts from the, the girl that makes t-shirts down the road. They're going to be supporting the, ba the basketball, the baseball, the soccer teams, buying the fundraisers, putting back into the community. When something goes wrong in the community, farmers are like the first ones to show up because they know what it means to have community. So that's one plug I wanted to put in. It doesn't matter in the United States of America, every whether it says grass-fed, organic, whatever, or not, you're still getting something safe and you're feeding your family the best nutritious meal that you can possibly get. Farm Fresh, does it look better? Does it taste better? Absolutely. But as far as nutrition goes, I mean, you can't be being born in the United States of America. I, I agree. Because, uh, and 
it's funny that you're mentioning those things because my my wife's vegan, <laughs> and so you know, no, it's fine. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not because I don't. You may have to cut. No, my no, head. you're fine. <laughs> it's funny because like she'll she'll try to get after me about stuff I eat, and then I'm like, well, let's look at the back of your package, and then. I hope she's not doesn't listen to this, but I I'll be like, hey, look how much you're talking about processed food. Look how much processed your food is just by looking at the back and the ingredients of of some of these plant based foods. That a lot of these you can't pronounce the ingredients. Absolutely. It's just like <clears throat> so. I I walk no, and what's in beef? <laughs> beef. Well, beef. Yeah, exactly. So it's just well, that, that's the thing. It's just I I grew up a obviously a certain way. So I'm not going to change my lifestyle. Even I respect my wife's, what she believes in or whatever, which is fine, but I don't necessarily, because there's all walks of life. Right. And then, but the, the thing is, is some of those people that think they know, don't know. That's one of the reasons why having. No, they're getting their information <laughs> right. on TikTok and social media, Instagram from influencers. That's how, that's why it's so important for farmers to get up with this technology and get on the internet and get on these apps and speak the truth. Because if not, you're going to have influencers telling people what to eat and they have no clue. They literally live at home with their parents and they're making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year being sponsored to like, tell people stuff they don't even know and they don't care. They'll get on there and, and just go on and on about it. So, yeah, and it's important. I think, I think that's one of the great things about NAFTMA. They teach you how to do that sort of thing. They, cause we participated in classes about social media. There's tons of classes cause there's basically, it used to be when I grew up that you didn't give your secrets, secrets away necessarily. Cause like you, and it, and this is kind of an old school way of thinking things. And I think that's how it was because we don't, obviously the world, the world's different than what it was 20, 30 years ago. Right. Yeah. It's our, the generations before us have been so hush hush about everything. And it's like the media they're they work at the speed of light. We need to catch up and we need to say, look, it doesn't matter for the good of the cause. We need to share more about our lifestyle, more about what we're doing. And a lot of the older generation, they're not into that. But then again, a lot of the older generation that's on TikTok, like I mentioned before, they're happy to see younger people and families raising their children the way they were raised because they didn't inherit the land or they didn't have the opportunity to continue farming. And People don't understand, like farmers and dairy they have struggles just like other people, but they're, it's a lot different. Their struggles are a lot different because it's, they're affected by the weather. They're affected by all things that are going on in another part of the world. Supply, the supply chain, chain. issues, yep. transportation, the media, <laughs> influencers, right. social media influencers, like everything affects everything that we do. Yep. It, it is important to support, local and support those that are smaller because those they're the ones that really need it and really rely on those customers and they they know you i remember going when i was younger going on a field trip 
and we went to a dairy farm. I was like, when I, I'm not going to learn anything new from from this just because I grew up on and which which true. I knew like I knew what I knew. And so but it's funny because we went to this dairy that was just up the road from my my grandparents. And then I get off get off the bus and I see my grandma. I'm like, Grandma, what are you doing here? She's like, Oh, I'm helping with the field trip. And I was I was so excited. So I just like bragged to all my all my friends. I'm like, oh here's my grandma. <laughs> Even though I've been on that dairy tons of times, but that one experience like change kind of changed my perspective as well. And that that's another cool thing is that a lot of these RVers, travelers, people are looking for those types of memories, those types of experiences. What kind of been some of your favorite experiences or, and what's a, or what's a typical experience that you have when you have, have someone on your property? Yeah. So we've only ever had harvest host book since February, but they have been some of the nice, most incredible people that you'll meet. Miss Patty, she gave me a can of fresh, well, it's like a jar, a canning jar of fresh tomato soup and some strawberry syrup. So we had to grilled cheese and tomato soup one night for supper and it was so good. And then she hand wrote me the recipe. She was coming out of her RV and she had a pencil and paper in her hand. And I was like, no, it's okay. And then I stopped myself. And what I was going to say was I can take a picture of it. But then she sat down and I have it over here somewhere. She, she hand wrote me that recipe. And I was like, I am going to keep this and save it because that's what I think that's what COVID has taught us a lot is getting back to some some of the older traditions and having a handwritten recipe instead of I'll just take a picture of it and so it was just really cool because we talked about other canning recipes and then I've had several guests we talk about where they're from and where they're going and I learn about their family and some of the I learn why they are RV some of them have already been married before some of them have had illnesses and they're just they've come through and they just want to use what time the Lord's give them left how much ever time that may be to travel and visit their family that doesn't necessarily live in their backyard. And so I'm a people person. And so learning about other people's stories, sharing our story, hearing, we can't wait to come back. You're going to be on our list for next year has been really incredible. That's cool. And those, those are experiences that we're looking to have with Curb and Turf. I know that you've, you mentioned that you only have had guests from Harvest Hose and that's, I guess it's kind of a plug for us just because we're, that's what we're looking for is more, more hosts because we don't have the number the amount that harvest host has as of yet and we we value those connections we want to make sure that the guests and the hosts have that, that relationship where they could learn each other's stories and kind of participate something i mean i don't even know if i can recommend this or not or if you can do this or not but harvest host like we get more bookings from them because they don't have to pay us but I usually get about $25, $30 in between from each guest, whether they're shopping in our store or on our farm. So if you could sell memberships like Harvest Host does, I know there must be a reason why you're not doing it, but you can tell me why. But I feel like more people would stay and use the app if that were the case. Nope. So that's a good question. The reason why we don't charge a membership and and the the host so let me, 
there's kind of two parts to the questions. So if you want to charge zero, we charge basically five dollars if if it gets below thirty bucks. So if you and you guys and the host will set their price. So whatever you feel like you're worth, that's the price you set. I think the main difference between us and Harvest Hosts is that we really encourage that the hosts get the majority of that. And we don't have a membership just because we want everyone to have access to the properties. They won't know where your property is until they actually have a reservation that comes through. Because then we we get like 15% of the transaction. But you guys, the hosts, get 85%. And that's part of why we don't have the membership just because that's part of the cost. The reason why we don't have the amount of traffic right now is because we don't have enough hosts. And that's one of the reasons why we love doing these podcasts because we are trying to get the word out, but we're also trying to educate. We're trying to do, there's a lot of things that we're trying to do as a company to compete with the bigger fish, if you will. And we're relatively yeah. new compared to, to Harvest Host. And we're hoping to, to flip that. So yeah, I feel like you, I feel like you, you all will grow. Yeah. And I just wondered why yeah. it was different. No, it's definitely different. We just want to, really empower hosts and and our and we're also empowering RVers because our that's why we have this platform just because we talk about RVers and we talk about obviously learning to make money from your property. Well it's only gonna benefit everybody, mm-hmm. you all, RVers mm-hmm. and us as farmers and hosts. Yeah. So I mean we want everybody to win and there's right. enough there's enough blessings yeah, for everybody. Exactly. So that's exactly we're grateful for for you to signing up like anytime someone signs up on our service on our platform we like we're highly aware of it we even try to respond to social media quite a bit so if someone's tagging us we're going to respond back we're gonna we're very involved with our community so yeah well i i mean i think that you all are great and i'm really excited to be on this journey and i'm excited to watch you all yeah grow. i'm excited i'm excited just to do it together just because then that's something where you could be like hey i was involved kind of towards the beginning and then just to see it grow so obviously you guys are starting you're having your dairy and everything else so what's the process like for you guys to do that yeah so firsthand we had to acquire the dairy so Back in 2020, 2021, we built a farm store and we were bringing milk in from North Carolina, which was like a couple hours away. And she was selling the milk that we, like Guernsey milk, that we, the kind of cows that we milk. And we were put it in a big display case in our store. And my father-in-law walked in one day, he was like a kid in a candy store, like, he was like, wow, like, so this is what it could be if we took the next step. My in-laws, they're retiring age and they have dairied. My mother-in-law dairied her entire life up until recently. She's had some health problems. And my father-in-law has dairied since before my husband was born. So like up to last year, 43 years or so. And so they don't want to put in to it financially and they're at the end where they just want to retire and relax. So he asked us, he asked my husband, do you, is that what you really want to do? And I didn't waste any time when my husband come home and told me that I was on the phone with our center for profitable ag in Nashville. And I was just getting all the, 
balls in motion and rolling. And so next thing we were given a grant to have a feasibility study. We had Dr. Ann Wilkinson from Missouri come out and she looked around and kind of did a big study on different creameries in our area, gave us a business plan, and we gave that business plan back to the Center for Profitable Ag. They gave us another grant to purchase some equipment. We met with a contractor, kind of went over the layout. And so like right now, we're just literally waiting on a plumber. So if anyone listening is a plumber and we have not already had the building plumbed, please show yourself. (laughs) Please reach out and contact me. link in the bio, however you say that. (laughs) And so, so that's kind of how we got our business plan going. But now we're to the process where like the land had to be graded. We had to have a septic put in. We have to have the building built and then we have to have the building inside finished. Then we have to have it inspected. The health inspector has to be like, okay, this is cool. We can do this. Um, And then We have to make the ice cream and we have to make recipes that are going to be unique to us in our farm. And then as we sell the ice cream and make money, we'll go into phase two where we off the back, we provide, build a processing plant where we can begin processing our own milk and then we can sell our own milk and ice cream and we can make butter and then maybe down the road do cheese and yogurt and kefir and kind of all things dairy right here from our farm. So meanwhile, we still have to milk the cows. The hay still has to be wrapped and the children still have to be schooled and we still have to do our tours and field trips. And we enjoy having our little festivals. This fall, we'll do a sunflower festival. And as long as I can get them and get them in time, we'll do a butterfly release. So each person that comes will have a butterfly to release into the field. That, that is really popular across the NAFMA group across the country with their farms. It's been, they've done ladybugs and butterflies. And then we'll do the pumpkin patch and we've got the pick your own strawberries. So there's just a lot going on and there's a lot that goes into the day-to-day farming. Upkeep of the farm still has to be took care of. And even though by the time that an hour or two into the day, their clothes are dirty, (laughs) my kids like to wake up and put clean clothes on. And I like to have a clean home, though it doesn't always stay clean. So there's just, there's always something to do. There's a lot that goes into it. And I mean, being a farm mom and a farm wife is like very underappreciated job. So, so bringing awareness to that. I was part of a farm moms series with the Tennessee Beef Council industry and that was one thing. It's like, how do we juggle all of our time? How do we get it all done? And we just take it day by day and we just fill in our schedules. And I mean, with the most important things, I have to make sure my kids eat every day. I have to make sure that they're took care of and the cows get milked and fed every day. And then from then I pencil in the next important thing. Does this have to be done or can this be done tomorrow? Or let's flip this. It's going to rain tomorrow. Let's do this today. Kind of, it's a balancing act, a juggling and a balancing act sure. Nothing short of a three ring. You have to learn to be flexible. In what ways have the community supported you or what ways would you like the community support you? 
Yeah, as far as support goes, just when they're bringing students from the schools out for field trips and they're telling everyone, their teacher friends and other people, hey, look, this is the farm we went to. They have tours. We should go back and take one. Repeat customers and just sharing our sharing our posts on Facebook, on social media, just bringing more awareness is is a huge help and support to us. It's really all we could ask for. And then when the creameries built, I really hope to make a down home feel when they come after they have after their kids play a game at sports. They come and they play together and celebrate their win or console their loss or here at the farm and kind of relax a little bit after after the pressure's taken off. And so just kind of sharing it with their friends and family when they have out-of-town family, bringing them by and just showing them what we do. That's, that's I mean, that's more than we could ask for. Yeah, word of mouth goes a long way. So with everything that you're doing, what's your priority as of right now? Yeah, so, the, so what we have going on right now is, of course, getting the cow's milk every day. And then we've got strawberries coming in. So the last two mornings... The kids have been out in the strawberry patch picking strawberries and bringing them in to eat. So there's not quite enough to bring people out quite yet, but there's still plenty out there that they can get their bellies full of the morning. So that's kind of, we're working towards having our first little strawberry festival that's right cool. now. That's awesome. Before you mentioned that you reached out, you're reaching out to your local community where you're able to get grants and you're able to get financing for a lot of this stuff, right? How'd you learn about those groups within your state? Is there a certain place that you went to or source that you, that you frequent to, to find information? Yeah. Here in Tennessee, we have the center for profitable ag and that is as far as living in Tennessee, we live in one of the most, best states to farm in where agriculture is still the leading is still the leading industry and with that they they are on it constantly sharing emailing you get on their email list and you're going to get an email for every single thing reaching out to your department of agriculture and finding out who is over your center for profitable ag who's over helping farms and new farms to get started, helping female farms to get going. Your FSA office, which is your farm service agency that's going to be in your county, they can help point you to people that you may want to talk to. Your local farm bureau is going to be huge. So if you're between the ages of 18 and 35, the Farm Bureau Young Farmers and Ranchers is a phenomenal program. You can meet that you can meet so many resources and network there. And chances are a lot of your big agriculture, Department of Agriculture employees and such are going to be attending those, wanting to come out and meet new young farmers and ranchers. So getting out and getting involved, putting yourself out there, getting with your local research center and your colleges like the University of Tennessee and then I know the University of Kentucky or what is it and what is it shoot I'm trying to think MTSU or something like that they are building a creamery no oh yeah but that's oh I think they are too I think they're doing a creamery but I know it's Hilltop Creamery, I think, Nikki Roof, and she's with 
Kentucky. I'm almost positive if we post this and it's not true, I'm so sorry, but she works at the college in Kentucky and they have a creamery going on, but I believe they're just doing cheese and possibly milk. I don't think that they are doing ice cream, but the University of Tennessee is doing a creamery with ice cream. And then another huge thing is there are chances are if that you're not the first to be venturing out into this value added process, reach out to other farms that have already started in doing that. We have toured and traveled from Kentucky to Middle Tennessee, and hopefully we're going to be visiting a farm in Georgia all the way to mm -hmm. Texas. When we went to Texas, we visited Lavon Farms and just talking to those farmers and how they got started and what they're doing. Ask questions, take tours, learn, do as much involvement as you can. We have just specifically within the dairy industry, we've got, and I watched one earlier, we've got Zoom meetings to help value added producers with marketing and profitability and all the things. And there's so much available, especially in Tennessee. I know I can't speak for other states, but I just know if you get involved at the local level, at the county level, you have an extension mm -hmm. office. And there, as long as it's not Mr. Kimball, <laughs> I think you may get somewhere. Do you get the no, reference I don't. <laughs> from Green Acres? Oh, okay. Have you I've seen Green this, Acres? Yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like, thanks for calling. Or yeah. I'll call you. You called me. <laughs> Okay, so maybe, so maybe not thanks or no, like what I'm talking yeah, about. That's something that we we actually advocate as well because we even do a challenge course for people that are looking to do agritour or agritourism or some kind of agribusiness. So we have a challenge course. So if anyone that's interested that's listening to this, we actually go over some of those resources that Emmy's talking about. So if you guys went to agritourismchallenge.com, and sign up there. We have a free course that kind of gives you some information. It's just a overview how you can market within your community, how you can reach out to your local, state, and federal government to get to get aid. Yeah, that's great. One other thing I would like to mention before we go: the Tennessee Agritourism Association has a list of like ninety-seven farms across the state of Tennessee. So if someone was interested in traveling to Tennessee and wanting to find a farm that did apples or that did bees and they wanted to come and visit and or a specific festival or a petting zoo, whatever they wish to do, there is a list of those and we can link that in this. Yep, for sure. Video. So we'll um, make sure we have all the information. Where can people get a hold of you or your and your farm? Okay. Yes. Are we ready? Because it's a list. All right. Our farm is www.horsecreekfarms with an S dairy.com. We are Horse Creek Farms dash dairy on Facebook. And I am East E A S T underscore T N underscore farm her F A R M H E R on Instagram and TikTok. Perfect. And then I also am on. Facebook as Emmy Armstrong 2023 Tennessee Elite Ms. Agritourism. Perfect. So we'll put a link in the descriptions and make sure if you haven't followed her already, go ahead and follow her. And then because we already follow you <laughs> on some of this stuff, so yeah. which is great. And we're appreciative of your time and we're grateful for um, your input. It's good to see 
your side of it, just especially being a mother. Yeah, you could see all the kids coming. <laughs> well, that's fine. That's how I, that's how I'm used to it because because we were all in and out when I was younger. That's that's kind of what how it is. So we do yeah. appreciate your time and and we look forward to to hopefully seeing you grow as a dairy and see what other services and maybe we we come back and and have a another episode or something just a continuation on what you guys offer probably in a year or so. Yeah, that Perfect. would be great. Well, appreciate. No, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Recurring Plot, presented by Curb and Turf. Curb and Turf works like Airbnb, but we help RVers to find land where they can park when they're traveling. Make more money from your land. Please visit curbandturf.com to list your property.